Bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are continuing on our fall sermon series, and the sermon series, for those of you who uh, might be visiting or might be returning, is entitled God's Way. And last week, we talked about God's church, and we're going to expand it this week beyond the church. As the church goes out into the world, we're going to talk about God's world. Now, I want you to think just for a moment, if you had never been to church, this is going to be hard for some of you, if you had never been to church, if you've never read the Bible or even heard about the Bible, and you had only been educated in the public school systems of today, and you were in science class, and you were being taught about where everything came from, the world. Where did everything come from? A big bang, right? Everything came from a big bang. And I find that really curious. I really do. It's taught as the only option. Here's what makes me curious about it being the only option. The fact that it is the only option... Now think about this just for a second. Makes it a scientific fact if it's the only option. Because if it's the only option, it's got to be a fact, right? Because if there's different theories on the table, then it's a theory. But if it's the only option being taught, it's a fact. I mean, that makes sense to me if it makes sense to you. So if it's a fact... Based on scientific terms, that means it's observable and repeatable. Based on the definition of a scientific fact having moved from a scientific theory. I just have a question for scientists who believe that. Or secular humanists that believe that. Who observed it and when has it been repeated? I'm just asking. But I'm serious when I ask. Or, on the other hand, if there was a Big Bang, who lit the fuse? (laughs) The presumption is there was a bang. How do they know that? I'm just asking. Curious minds want to know. But I am serious when I ask the questions. Because back in my day, I know I'm not as old as some of you, but I'm older than a lot of you. Back in my day, there were three theories that were taught when I was first taught science. Three theories. Now, see, back then, then you truly have theories because not one was fact if there's only one given. Think about this. 
The Big Bang was one of three. Does anyone remember the other two? No, Darwinism is part of actually a couple of them. Steady state. Steady state. Steady state means that everything pretty much is as it is. That there might be some matter that disappears into energy and some energy that disappears into matter. Because you might have a star blow up, but that becomes energy. But then eventually matter shows up. It's it's an interesting theory, but it went out of popularity. Fascinating thing. Because they said, well, you know, really in many ways it doesn't make any sense because of scientific experiments that they've done. So steady state went off. Look it up. Go to Wikipedia. Look up steady state theory. It disappeared. See, I was a budding scientist at one time. I really was. I know some of you might find that hard to believe. The other one was creation. That was a stated theory in school at one time. Creation was the first one to go out as a possible theory because they slowly were removing God from the scene. And then steady state went out the door. And that's why the Big Bang remained as the only theory. But then if you only have it as the only theory, then it's fact. You need to understand how that happened. So Big Bang is the only one that's taught. But that's problematic. Because it can't be a theory if it's the only one that's being taught. And I wrestle with that. Because think about it, not only for yourself, but think about it for everyone who buys into that. Because everyone who buys into that as truth, there is no ultimate, ultimate purpose or meaning for life. You can try to assign life purpose or meaning. You can try to come up with one. But there is no ultimate purpose or meaning to life. You can try to make negotiations. You can try to come up with social contracts. You can try to come up with a morality. There are social scientists who say, well, really, if it's a Big Bang Theory and everything happened... According to science, then we're all made up of DNA, which means if we're all made up of DNA that's scientifically programmed, then no one's responsible for their behavior. Why do we have a court system? Think about it. There's inherent problems with that. And I also think on Judgment Day... It's going to be a rude awakening for some people. I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm just inviting you to be part of my thinking. But I really believe that our secular humanistic culture has bought into that. How many of you remember Carl Sagan? Billions and billions. Remember Carl Sagan? Did the series on television. You know, Carl Sagan was really an agnostic or an atheist. He really didn't believe in God. Do you know one of his titles 
is cosmologist. I don't know how many of you know that. Look it up on Wikipedia. One of his titles is cosmologist. Do you know what the word cosmos means? A lot of people believe that the word cosmos is another word for universe, right? Do you know what the word really means in its origin? It means order. Now think about this. Think about this just for a second. If he doesn't believe in God, then we're here because it's a random Big Bang. So he believes in random order. How about that one? Does that fascinate you? The whole idea of cosmology. And that idea was science. That God is an orderly God. Yes, there's chaos. And there's disorder. We'll get to that. But this whole idea of order... The way we understand modern science was really studied by people who had a Christian worldview. That God was an orderly God. That there are natural laws in the universe that God set up. That He set up this universe for us to have meaning and purpose ultimately. And it was his design. That he set this created order up because he loves us. And he set it in place for us. Yes, there's chaos. There's no question. But the original design was that it would be orderly. And what's fascinating about the design is that even evolutionists and people who believe in the Big Bang Theory, if you look at Genesis 1 through 3, the order that he set out, that is Moses, who was not a scientist, and certainly not a scientist in the modern sense of the term, Genesis 1 through 3 is laid out the way an evolutionist would talk about creation. I think that's great. I do. Because God's evolution... Is the scientific evolution. The difference is, is that God intervened at different times because he had design and he had purpose and his pinnacle was us. Isn't that great? As the psalmist says, a little lower than the angels. You're here on purpose. You're part of God's design. And God has a plan for you. And you can believe that. You're here because He loves you. And really, what the secular humanists have to come up with, because they have no answer to how the Big Bang happened, really, why the Big Bang happened, Really? And the ultimate purpose to what is. Our biggest challenge as Christians really is why there's evil. 
and what we do with it. That's our biggest challenge. So let's talk about that. First thing I want to talk about is free will. That when God created us, we're told in Scripture that He created us in His image. In His image. What does that mean? That means that He created us thinking beings with minds. Feeling beings with hearts and with wills that we can choose. That we have choice. That we're not automatons. We're not just victims of DNA. Victims of our culture. That we have choice. That God made us like Himself, that He chooses. You know, one of the differences between God and ourselves, He always chooses what's good, He always chooses what's loving. We don't. Because we sometimes choose what's selfish. We sometimes choose what's hurtful. Even people we say we love. God didn't make puppets. God made people to choose whether they want to be his children or not. Much like it says in John 1, he gave us power to become his children. To choose. Just like he did with Adam and Eve. He gave Adam and Eve free will. The opportunity to choose. Do you want to walk with me or or not? And initially they said yes. We want to walk with you. We want to enjoy this paradise you made. This creation that you blessed us with. We want to have this relationship with you. But what happened? They eventually chose contrary. And it's not always what you, what you think, by the way. It's not, you know, we often think when we choose contrary to God's will, this sin that we often talk about, it's all about immorality. It's not always that way. Let me give you an example. The prodigal son story. The prodigal son story, you got two sons. Both of them have issues. We all have issues, right? But both of them have issues. The prodigal son, the one we always talk about, he had an issue with greed and immorality. He said, give me my money, I want to go have fun, right? The other son, he had issues. He had issues with unforgiveness, lack of compassion and love. They both had issues. And Jesus talked about both sides of the coin. So don't just think it's always about those little things we do wrong. Or those big sins out there. It's about our attitude and motivation. Our lack of compassion and lack of forgiveness. Our lack of service and self-sacrifice. The bottom line is, it gets down to that self-centeredness. It gets down to the choice that Adam and Eve made. I want to be God. I want to be the God of my own life. 
I don't want to listen to the Heavenly Father. I don't want to walk with Him anymore. I want what I want. That's what it comes down to. And so we have the fall. And that's where the chaos comes in. The chaos that came into Adam and Eve's life, their families' lives. I mean, look at Cain and Abel, what happened to them? That came into the world. And we see the fall in a multitude of ways. In the animal kingdom. We see it in the world in so many ways. We see it in human frailty. But the fall happened and chaos entered back into the world. Not in totality. But it tainted everything. Because of sin. That's what Genesis 1 through 3 is all about. God created it good. God created it very good as soon as humans were created. And then he gave them choice. And for a while they said, this is really great. And then they said, you know what? Because of Satan's temptation, I want to be God. I want to call all the shots. And then chaos came. And look what happened. Every aspect of life. The weather. The earth. The animal kingdom. Human behavior. Every aspect of life. There's a bit of chaos. Look at the chaos you cause. You don't think you cause chaos? I do. I can be really good at it, too. Even people that I want to love. Recognize that about your life. See, we so often want to look at the circumstances and the causes. And it's all about Hurricane Matthew. And it's all about those other people. It's not about how I react. Or is it? Or is it? And what I'm doing. And how I'm responding. Or how I'm not responding. See, we're part of the problem. We're part of the chaos. If we really understand. But we can be part of the healing, too. If we really understand what God wants to do in us and with us and through us. You know, it's amazing to me, if you really think about it, how much people right now are really focused on trying to get this island back together again. I think it's great. 
I really do. People are spending so much time fixing up the environment, the trees, the houses, helping to feed people, helping people medically. I think all of that is great. How many people are working on their spiritual relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Which is essential and of ultimate importance. Let's broaden it. How much in our lives we spend time intellectually, medically, financially, entertainment-wise, making sure our lives are together. And how much time do we spend focusing on our walk with the Lord, on serving Him and serving others? All the time. God wants to bring order where there's chaos. He wants to bring peace where there's discord. And the way He does it in this world is through Jesus Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your heart. It was the chaos of the cross. And Jesus laying down his life in a selfless way to defeat the power of sin and rose again to show he has the power over sin and death. Restoration. That's what God's about. He's about restoration. What was lost in paradise. The broken relationship with God, the broken relationships in family, with each other, with Adam and Eve, with their family. God wants to restore and frankly wants to restore ultimately. That's what he wants for us and wants to spend eternity with us. You know, what's really neat. If you read the Genesis story one through three, you get to a point. In Genesis 3, they're still in the garden. They just messed up. In Genesis 3.15, God says to Adam and Eve, But, but, I will send a man born of a woman. The first promise of the Messiah. And he will crush the serpent's head. That's Satan. A deadly blow. That's the cross. And Satan will strike his heel. That's momentary. See, God's plan is for eternity. The cross was but momentary. And that's his plan for us. For his world. You know, the term world is used three different ways in Scripture. It's used positively. God's creation is good. God's creation is 
very good. And if you look how the world is referred to, and the beauty that's talked about, and God's handiwork, and God's power is seen throughout creation, we know that. We know that. We have lived in a beautiful place, and by the way, in another couple months, it will be restored. I believe that. And we need to continue to help each other and the community during that time and beyond, frankly. Scripture talks about the world as a neutral thing. That we are to be stewards of. And we can use what is in the world in a positive way or a negative way. That's why it's neutral. And I've said this before, I'll say, like nuclear power. Nuclear power can be used in a positive way, can be used in a destructive way. It's what we do with what we have. The resources that God has given to us to be stewards of, we can use in a very selfish way, we can use in a very generous way. The world is neutral. But I also believe because of the chaos, the world at times is evil and there are evil people. Hurricane Matthew is an example of that. The death and destruction that it caused. Because this world is no longer perfect like it was in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is a glimpse of what we will have again through Jesus Christ when we go to be with Him. Walking with God in perfect harmony and restoration. The glitch, the glitch is sin. But the glue is Jesus Christ. You like that? Glimpse, glitch, glue. I like that. The glue is Jesus Christ. And that we are called to be His body. Walking with Him. Walking with each other. And God's design is for all eternity. I want to close by reading from Romans chapter 8. Beginning to read at verse 28. We know. Do you have that confidence? We know. See, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit making this truth His person, as Savior and Lord in our hearts and lives, we can say, we know. All things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. See, I believe that too, because sometimes I do some really dumb things. And I watch God do incredible things with my dumb things. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It is so much fun. When I do something really dumb, And he redeems it. You know, 
One time I was praying to the Lord. This is a sidebar, not in my notes. I'll give you this for free. One time I was praying to the Lord about something I desperately wanted an answer for. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Greg, I'll, I'll bless your good decisions. I'll redeem your bad decisions. Just keep your eyes fixed on me. That's what I'm talking about. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. His purpose, not your purpose. That's what Adam and Eve had to learn. They wanted their purpose, his purpose. Picking up at verse 31, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? I heard that put one time, me and God, we're a majority. I like that. He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Everything else. All of creation. Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is God's right hand, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. No one can separate us. The only person that can separate you from the love of God in Christ is your own decision, your choice, your free will. That's the only thing. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what he wants for you. Today. And ultimately for all eternity. Restoration of what happened at the fall. No longer any chaos. No longer any pain. But his love and his joy and his peace. That's the plan. That's the goal. And that's the promise. That's the world in God's design. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look around us, your creation has such beauty and power. And it shows your handiwork. And you made it for us. And yet at the same time, because of sin, because of the fall, we see the chaos and the brokenness. And some of it are our own making because of our sin. Lord, we pray this day that all of us would know the, the truth and the promise, the gift of Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be part, part of the grace that breaks into this world of chaos. And part of the gift that begins to bring order to disorder 
and peace to the challenges around us. Lord, help us as your church, as your body on earth, to be your voice in your hands and your heart. To be people of compassion as your church, to reach out into a world of desperate need and people who don't know you. That we may be part of your restoration, both now in this world and for all eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.